reading of the 84th Psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Billy Graham tells of a time during the early years of his preaching ministry when he was due to lead a crusade in a town in South Carolina. And he needed to mail a letter. He asked a little boy on Main Street how he could get to the post office. And after the little boy had given him directions, Reverend Graham said to him, If you come to Central Baptist Church tonight, I'll tell you how to get to heaven. And the boy replied, No thanks, you don't even know how to get to the post office. <laughs> Sometimes we need directions to the place we want to be, don't we? Now, I'm not one of those men who won't ask directions. If you look in my truck, there's a little steel ball on my dash. And on the back of my phone is a little magnet. So I can hook my phone right there and have Google Maps on when I'm coming to see you. Well, I'm going pretty much anywhere that I just want to go. I like to have something to tell me because I'm not exactly not directionally challenged. Some of you could find yourself someplace and you've never been there before. I don't know how people do that. It's not my talent. I like maps. But sometimes we need directions to places that we need to be that we just can't quite figure out how to get there. But you know what we have to have first is a desire. A desire to go to that place. A need to go to that place. We have to have the desire to make the pilgrimage to the post office or to make some sacred journey home. Required to get where we need to be is a desire to be where we need to be. Otherwise, we would never consult Google Maps. We would never ask directions. Or we would never put somebody in the car with us who knows the way. First, we must have a desire to get to a place. We must first recognize the loveliness 
and the necessity of our destination. Think about that with regard to going home. How many of us would like to be able to return to a home when our parents were in their prime, when our house was filled with love, when they weren't weak or infirm or dead? How many of us have thought about calling our mother again? You know, I could never get off the phone with my mom. It used to drive me nuts. I used to tell her I was going to hang up on me. She said, don't hang up on your mom. I said, I'm hanging up on you. Now I wish I could call her. Do you know that feeling? The feeling that you just wish you could turn to that place where home was most comfortable to you. A desire to be in a place where you know that you're loved. That's what causes us to seek direction. That desire. Now you've likely heard the saying, home is where the heart is, right? Y'all have heard that? No? Man, I guess I'll have to stop. Have y'all heard that? Somebody said, don't answer, he might stop. Home is where the heart is. Love motivates us to make home. And we know that's true. We know that wherever our family moves to, that we can be with them and that place will feel like home. But we also know that the places that we've shared as family and as followers of Christ become sacred to us because of what we do there. Home is where the heart is. Love motivates us. It drives us to make the journey home. And on the way, our heart is filled with the hope of experiencing the love of home, of being accepted just as we are. Or maybe you've heard the saying that home is that place where you knock on the door and they have to let you in. Robert Frost coined that, the brilliant poet. And you know, that's brilliantly true. You may be that annoying relative that everyone hopes won't show up for Thanksgiving. Anybody feel that way about yourself? Or you walk and said, I'm that guy. <laughs> Everybody's hoping you won't show up. You show up just in time to ruin the holiday and they let you in anyway. Even though you're going to annoy everyone, they do it because they love you. Sometimes home in that place is that place where when you get there, they have to let you in. When you're loved, even though you're unlovable, when you're accepted, even when you're unacceptable. A true home, dear ones, is a house of love. Is that true? A house of love. It's a place where love lives. To live in the world, Henry Nguyen said, Catholic priest Henry Nguyen said this, to live in the world without belonging to the world summarizes the essence of spiritual life. The spiritual life keeps us aware that our true house is not the house of fear in which the powers of hatred and violence rule, but the house of love where God resides. For the author of Psalm 84, that place where God resides was the temple on the Mount of Zion in Jerusalem. This psalm is about pilgrimage. It's about making a journey from dry places to the presence of God and glimpsing the temple on the way and having the heart filled with hope, a brighter hope. Our society, it seems to me, truly is framed by hatred and violence these days. There's a sense that society is headed towards some point of complete and utter brokenness, to some point that we won't be able to come back from. Fear, hatred, and violence fill our newscasts, our newspapers, blog sites, Facebook posts, and movie theaters. 
Just think about some of the future-oriented movies that are made. I can't think of a single one that portrays a positive, favorable, or even a desirable image of what life will look like 200 years from now. Can you? Some refer to them as apocalyptic movies, after the Greek word from which we get the, Greek word, the English word revelation, which of course is the name of a book in your Bible. It means reveal. The book of Revelation is about the full revealing of who Jesus Christ is, the Lamb of God who was slain and the cosmic King who will rule over all things. But apocalypse in the American mindset has come to be about death, about darkness and destruction, or as Nowen said, a house of fear. We live in a house of fear, characterized by violence and hatred. People are afraid of each other and can't trust motives or actions, even when they're kind. The movies creating that mindset reflect that a dark hope, what we might call a darkness of hope, a cynical view of the future. They were made in the 50s, so it's not just a new problem. In the 60s and the 70s, the War of the Worlds, the Day the Earth Stood Still, the Matrix in the 90s, World War Z just a few years ago about a zombie apocalypse. The Walking Dead on TV. All of these paint a picture of darkness and of lost hope and completely miss the idea of what apocalypse really is. The coming of the Prince of Peace. The Hunger Games is a recent example of that that has been very popular now these moral, moral movies all have a moral hero, so there's nothing fundamentally wrong with them. It's just the worldview that they paint. They all have a hero who saves the day, but the image they project of where humanity is heading is one of hatred, of violence, and of fear. A general decay of the compassion that makes us human. If you've not seen that movie, and I haven't, I had to look up a synopsis of it, because it's the most recent apocalyptic movie that I thought we might all know about. This is how Google summarized that movie. In what was North America, the capital of Pan Am maintains its hold on 12 districts by forcing them each to select a boy and a girl called Tributes to compete in a national televised event called the Hunger Games. Every citizen must watch as the youths fight to the death until only one remains. District 12 Tribute Katniss Everdeen has little to rely on other than her hunting skills and sharp instincts in an arena where she must weigh survival against love. That's the image that our society portrays. Did you hear that? Survival against love. That we can't do both. The hard-hearted capitalist would have us believe that we can't give money away and survive. That's just a practical application of that notion. That somehow we have to choose between survival and love. That is a dark hope for humanity's future and purpose. According to our Lord, love is the highest of all virtues. Nothing can compete with it. Love of God and love of our neighbor are our purpose and our reason for existing. 
Survival is not to be our highest aim, but love is. And yet the art, the literature that we produce today, champions survival first. And calls us to ponder a world where we might be forced to kill another child to survive. We need a brighter hope. Psalm 84 offers a glimpse of a place of a brighter hope. It's the presence of the living God. A place worth walking to. Even if you have to cross a dry valley to get there, you can depend that as we cross into that place, there will be streams of refreshing. The psalmist looks up and says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! How lovely is the place blessed with your presence! The pilgrim's whole being longs to be there. There in that place where birds nest in safety and surety of love, where the rule of God and the presence of God and the providence of God are plainly seen. A place of hope. A place of strength. Not strength that fails in dark times, but eternal strength. The might of Almighty God who creates, sustains, and loves us. And all that breathes life in the midst of life's grueling hardships, we can know that we will never be left alone. That God will be with us in this pilgrimage, in this walk through this place. The birds nest in His altars, and all who seek Him find rest there. They find peace. They find honor. They find favor. They find goodness. They find happiness. It is a place of happiness for those whose strength is God, whose hearts are filled with a desire to be in God's presence. This psalm was originally sung by pilgrims who were walking to Jerusalem in adverse conditions because they desired, they had a desire in their heart to be in the home of God, to be in the home of love. As they drew closer and closer, they would look up on the temple and wonder and reflect on the goodness of God as they sang this song. They could have stayed at home, but instead they've come to honor God and to rest in God's presence. For indeed, it is better to lay at the threshold of the temple, the place where the living God dwells, the place of brighter hope, than to dwell in comfort in the tents of the wickedness and languish in fear and the destruction of sin and death. Drawing near to God is our brighter hope. As Paul says, there is no fear in perfect love. Drawing nearer to God is our brighter hope. And so James tells us to submit ourselves to God. To resist the devil, he says, and he will free from you. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And so just like those ancient pilgrims, we're called to take a walk, dear ones, to join hand in hand and walk toward the presence of God together, seeking the presence of the living God in this place, in our homes, and in every place we go, knowing the promise that God is coming near to us and drawing near to us. We believe that the living God did make a pilgrimage to us in Jesus Christ. We believe that He is God with us, the Son of the living God the second person of the Blessed Trinity, come to be with us in the person of Christ. Through His death and resurrection, He's made it possible for us to be one people, to be His church, 
His body here on earth to be the place of His presence when we are gathered together. He and the Father have sent the Holy Spirit to fill the church, to dwell in it, to empower it, and to fill each believer's baptized heart with hope. As we make our pilgrimage to draw closer and closer to God, we're filled with the Spirit of God, and God is continually with us, not just when we think we need God, but all the time. He will never leave us or forsake us. As our Lord Christ said, I am with you always to the end of the age. When we gather to worship, we are in the presence of Christ. We are in the presence of God. This place, this sanctuary becomes a home of love, a place of love. It's a place of sun and shield, a place where we are provided for and protected. And surely it is better for us to be together as God's people, to be the doorkeepers of this house of God, to stand at the threshold of it and long to be in it in worship. Surely that is better than to be empowered and be in luxury in the tents of the wickedness. There's a brighter hope for us than fear. There's a brighter hope for us than violence and hatred. There's a brighter hope for us than fear because God is with us. Our true home is not the house of fear, but the place and presence of God. The place and presence of love. For God is love. And we are moving nearer and nearer in His presence and into the renewal of all things. Some of us in our lifetime may see the return of Christ and the consummation of a new creation, the beginning of a new heaven and a new earth. Some of us will pass from this life and find our pilgrimage complete as we rest in the presence of Christ. But we will all be together in God's good presence, dwelling with Christ in the new place prepared for us. And then our brighter hope will be complete as we see what John the Revelator saw as he writes in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be His peoples and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. It is not for us to labor in fear. We have a brighter hope. This psalm has been one of my favorites since a short time after March 1st of 1992. That's the day that my grandfather, James W. Suttle, made his final pilgrimage into the presence of Christ. Like most of us, he left a lot of stuff behind, what some people would call junk. 
And the only thing I could think of that I really wanted is in this little white box. It's my most treasured possession. That's pretty small for a treasured possession, isn't it? But in that little white box is the only thing that I told my grandmother of his I wanted. Can y'all see that? No. Wish I had a big projector. Remember when you'd go to the beach and you'd stop in the souvenir store and they'd have those little pieces of pine limbs cut in little ovals? Remember that? And somebody would shellac a picture of Jesus on it? This road in his truck, that's what I remember seeing all the time in my grandfather's truck. It sat right there in front of the ashtray where he stuck his little cigars that he chewed on. I never saw him smoke one, interestingly enough, that I can remember, but he chewed them up. That thing rode there. I saw that every time I was in his car, and it gave me a brighter hope because I knew that this man that I looked up to looked up to someone else. That he didn't live in a cage built by fear. He had a brighter hope of knowing Christ's presence. That came into use for him, revolving around this little Gideon's Testament. How many of y'all have gotten one of those at school before? Or out on the sidewalk to hand you one? They gave him that one. My grandfather had one kidney. From what I remember, he lost the other one in World War II. That may not be exactly right. But the kidney that he left had started to fail him. Knowing what it was like for him to constantly go and have his blood filtered at a dialysis machine, I can understand why he would have cherished Psalm 84. It was his favorite. This is what my grandmother wrote in this. David, Psalm 84, where Papa has the marker, was the scripture he read most of all. Carrie Jacobs, who was an assistant at Neely's Creek and went on to be a missionary in Mexico, read it to him right after he first went on dialysis in 1988. And he always read it most of all. This testament is just the way it was the last day he took it to dialysis on February 29th of 1992. And I took it out of his bag to put on the counter. And right on the cover of that, it says presented to, and he's written in here, May 20th, 1989, Saturday. I, this day, while on dialyze machine, he couldn't spell very well, <laughs> have dedicated my life to my Lord Jesus Christ. James W. Suttle, Jr. Amen. He had discovered, as he lay in the bosom of fear, as his kidney died, and he relied on a machine to keep his blood from being poisoned, he had discovered that it was better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to live in comfort in the tents of the wicked. He had discovered that all he needed was the presence of God. And he had discovered that God was with him. He had discovered that he longed, that he longed for the presence of God. He had entered a time when he needed the promise that his tears would be wiped away that death and pain would be no more. And Psalm 84 reminds us that our whole being can cry out for God and sing with, to God with joy. That our whole being, our flesh, our spirit, our heart, our soul, can all cry out to our Creator that all of our being may long for the presence of God. 
My grandfather was besieged by a dark hope that all he had left in life were endless trips to have his blood filtered just to stay alive. And in Psalm 84, he discovered a different reality, a brighter hope, the promise of goodness and happiness in the presence of the living God wherever he was. He gave himself to continuing that journey toward peace, the peace of being near to God. He decided that he would rather be a doorman in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Rather than grovel in his misery, he sought the joy of Christ. He had learned that happiness consists of taking refuge in God and that the ultimate goodness is to be near to God. I would be willing to bet that all of you know someone just like that. A person that you find peace in because of their longing for the presence of God. Dear ones, let us not be persuaded by the dark hope offered to us by this world. Let us not give in to the notion that fear, that fear of scarcity and fear of death is the only way to live. But instead, let us be a people who keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is God with us, the author and perfecter of our faith the giver of new life, the one who is with us now and who will never leave us, even when you leave here. You will not be parted from His blessed presence. Through the love of the Father, the grace of Christ, and the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit, let us continue to seek God's presence together so that our hearts might be filled with a brighter hope, the hope of being His house. The hope of being His temple. His people filled with His love. So that our hearts and flesh might sing for joy. And that others might find a home in God's love here with us. Let us trust in the Lord our God that these things might be true. That we might be that place that when they come, they will be let in. A place where the hurting can experience the love of God and the goodness of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.